0: welcome to the push performance podcast
1: hey what's up guys welcome back uh today we got my guy griffin Jax from uh day one homie right here what's up griff hey Deej. happy to be here yeah absolutely um so, so griff uh the reason why i wanted to be on the podcast man's a we go way back it was what we yesterday our, our, our seventh or eighth year together already yeah i think
0: first time i got in contact with you was it was after I got drafted, but I think it was the fall of 2017, so right after I got back from my first summer of Pro Bowl. and it was like right, it was right at no, I think you were at the Air Force Academy. I still was, yeah, because yeah. I had to go back to my okay, senior right. year, um, but I was in Pro Bowl at the time, not yeah. in college anymore.
1: So now, now you've moved to Arizona, mm-hmm. keep following me everywhere, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, Griffin's with the Minnesota Twins. I'm going to let you just kind of, I want you to tell your story, honestly, and We'll talk from there. I mean, be you know, be honest about it if you want. I mean, you know, it's been very unique in my opinion, you know, and you uh you've always been one of my favorite guys to work with. Um, you've been doing remote stuff in Georgia and we'll get into that stuff. But yeah, sure. just kind of kind of
0: tell your story real quick, if you don't mind. Well, I'll try to keep it short because it, it can get long, but keep it, um, get it as long
1: as can be. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> I went to I'm originally from Colorado, grew up in Denver, went to high school at Cherry Creek. And uh, then went to the Air Force Academy for baseball. But, um, yeah, I was drafted my junior year by the Minnesota Twins. Um, and, but with, because you get drafted out of high school? I got, I got drafted out of high school. Yeah. Um, never really considered it. I always wanted to go to college and knew I was going to go to college. Unless I got life-changing money at that point. What, but, uh, what other
1: offers did you have besides Air Force?
0: Um, I think when it came down to it, I was considering Utah, Santa Clara, Oklahoma State, and North Carolina State. Um, but... At the end of the day uh location being close to home family always been really important to me and education so putting all that together i decided to go to the air force academy and um looking back on it i'd probably do it again i mean i probably wouldn't do it again uh and i'll get into the story soon but um it just there's been so many roadblocks and hurdles that i've had to jump over um to get to this point in my career but honestly it's really made me tough um resiliency is always a word i come back to and finding myself like hovering around just because there's been no guarantees in my career and and my road to this point so i really had to work a lot harder than a lot of kids and because of that i think i appreciate the smaller things a lot more um so yeah work ethic has just been instilled in me um, because because of that but yeah so went to the air force academy um got drafted third round by minnesota twins in 2016 I went to my first summer um, playing pro ball in um, Elizabethan, Tennessee, really small. That league doesn't even exist anymore, Appalachian League. But um, at the time, the rule was at the Air Force Academy that if you got signed to play a professional sport, you would be sort of asked to join the reserves instead of back to duty. And that was for any military. Any military. Yeah, yeah. That was sort of like the Army, Department of Defense rule. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of football players the year before me that didn't even get drafted but signed free agent deals um, as wa- or, uh, practice squad guys that just got wiped to their service. So at the time, I was like, okay, sweet. Like, I'll, I'll bring like the most notoriety to the school at this point, like, highest draft ever for any sport um, from a service academy. So I should be a shoe in to get into the reserves. But Somewhere along the line, um, after I got drafted, about right before graduation, they called me and told me that I'm going to have to full serve two years before going to play. Uh, I was uh, the first. Were you like six weeks into your pro ball season? Or... So I had just come back. I was about to graduate my senior year. So that entire year I was just practicing with the team, not traveling, but going down there and doing my work that the Twins have given me um, in preparation to show up that next summer because – we acted for those eight months while I was back at school uh, under the the thought that I was going to show up and just be able to jump um, jump into baseball full full go. Um, but yeah, it was like April, I want to say, because it was right before the NFL draft. I was sat down with another NFL um, kid, hopeful um, Air Force Academy kid student. Um, we were we were told the night before the NFL draft that pretty much we were going to have to go serve um, a couple of years of active duty. And it really you say active duty, what do you mean by that? So, every single service academy graduate has a minimum of five years of service commitment. And that's just due to um, essentially you going to school on the taxpayer's dollar. Oh, yeah. So, um, you pay back um, your school with service time. And it's a minimum of five years. It changes depending on your job in the military. So, if you go pilot, or um, they call it, they're, they're broken into like rated or non rated jobs. Your rated jobs are your pilot, your um, special forces, your drone pilots, that kind of thing. You get a little bit more service time commitment for that. But I pick, you know, just the, the most regular job in the Air Force because I, I just, yeah, <laughs> I, I assumed I was going to be able to go play baseball full time um, right at the gate. Um, so I just had that blank five years of commitment, but there was there's always a stipulation um, dating back for forever that if you uh, just do two years of active duty, you can transfer into the reserves and finish out your, your commitment that way. Um, if you say like your parents uh, have a business and that you wanna take over, you can you can take that route, if you win the lottery. There's just like a tons of different um, reasons to get out of your service. So I was told, yeah, right before graduation, that I'd have to go serve two years of active duty, huge blow. Um, but that, like we'll get into, not the first time I, I would have been let down by the Air Force and the military. Um, so I called the twins right away and said, "We're really sorry, but I'm going to have to go do a little bit of service before coming back full time." They they were as accepting as they could be, I guess, um, just because. Within my situation, from the beginning, there was a whole lot of unknown. Um, I remember you were worried that they were going to release you. Yeah, just because uh, I, I was telling them, I was trying Trans- to be as Trans- you right as, as yeah. transparent as I could. But because I was really the first person in this situation, there was no like there was no precedence. Mm-hmm. So um, I was the first person to kind of go down this path and try to you know set up all these um, rules and regulations and paperwork. So. I was really like the test dummy for the air force and the air force academy at the time. Um, but they, they told me two years. So I called the twins and I showed up in that summer of 2017 with uh, just the understanding that I'd only be able to play for about a month and a half. So I went to low a. Um, We were the Cedar Rapids colonels at the time and had a great summer. It was like my true first dive into pro ball um, with a minor league team and had an absolute blast. Met some great guys. Um, had a really good summer that year. And then, um, in about middle of August, I went to my first duty assignment, which was in Florida, just outside of Orlando, Cape Canaveral air force station, where I would start my job as what's called an acquisitions officer. And please don't ask me a whole lot about that because it was a desk job. It was a desk job, (laughs) but like, I never got any formal training throughout my entire air force career. They've always made up a job for me just because they don't really know what to do with me. Um, and I was a second lieutenant like every graduate, but um, I had no real responsibilities. Uh, I was P monitor, so I would give out te- or, uh, drug tests. I scheduled <laughs> the holiday parties. I did a lot of cleanups around the office, but I had no real like Air Force job or training. So it was a shit show from the beginning. That um, sounds terrible. Can I tell something? yeah Absolutely. Yeah, okay, I, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I should have yeah. asked that from the beginning, no, but you definitely can. <laughs> yeah, it, it was an absolute mess. And uh, my boss and um, everyone that worked with me had no real idea on how to handle me, so I would always just kind of use the excuse of I'm going to go train this weekend, and I would just gotta work that way. So I'd have a couple weekends where I would just leave on Thursday after work and just head down to Fort Myers, our spring training complex, mm-hmm. and just get out there just so I can like keep in touch with the twins and make sure they understood that like I want to be here. I don't want to be military. Like I, my 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 dream is to pursue baseball. And like, I'm really sorry about this military commitment I got going on right now, but I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that you know that I want to be here. And then when it's over, I'll be ready to go. So I did that for about six months. Um, and then right around December, Christmas time in 2017, my head coach from the Air Force Academy called me and said, hey, baseball is getting reintroduced back into the Olympics. Um, we think you're going to be eligible for this program that allows active duty members to train for an Olympic sport. So I said, perfect. Like, what do I got to do? So, um, like everything in the military applications and paperwork take six to like eight months just to get up the chain signatures, all that kind of stuff. So if I wanted to show up for spring training in 2018, I had to get going like soon, so called everybody. I could got all the signatures. I could like as fast as I could. And of course I didn't get to show up for spring training on time. Uh, I got there, I want to say like late April. So right as extended spring training was about to start and um before that i went to the local high school where i was living and just contacted the coach and said hey, i need to show up for spring training like ready can i get a catcher and some hitters to sand in and you know it's a couple of times a week so we got that going and i showed up to spring training or extended spring in 2018 fully released for the military under this program and i would still have to do it at the time but finally able to like that go into baseball, baseball yeah. yeah and play so um i think in may I got mo- or, uh, promoted from extended to high A, and at that time we were in um, the Florida State League. And 2018, even though it wasn't like I didn't get there at the beginning of the season, it was my first like full year. Mm-hmm. Played 2018 in the Florida State League, went to the fall league at the end of that year. Had an awesome time, unbelievable. It's it's, it's still up to this time been my like favorite time playing baseball. Just the guys, the level of competition, just the atmosphere. So at Mitch, right? I played Mitch, um, same team or yeah. we salt river and unbelievable complex yeah. first off. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And in, in that off season, I still like the duty, but it was shorter, but, um, was able to like train for baseball. Obviously my wife, a uh, girlfriend at the time was stationed in South Georgia. So, not the best amenities and facilities for baseball training, but did what I could. I was just still doing, uh, dealing with DJ, We'd be back in Colorado every once in a while, seeing family. Um, so we'd get in there get assessed and to get my remote training set up for the rest of the year. And then 2019, I say is my first true season. I showed up for spring training play of the year in double a finished in triple a, but that was my true first year of baseball. And, uh, Then we go into 2020, first big league spring invite. Mm -hmm. And then obviously COVID happened. So it's just been nightmare after nightmare with my baseball career. And um, got sent home. COVID happened. Didn't know what was going on. Was in Colorado at the time because my wife, my uh, then fiance was uh, deployed to -hmm. Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I didn't go home to Georgia. I went home to where my parents were in Colorado. Trained um, when push opened back up. Um, with COVID protocols, I went in, I was in there every day, um, until about middle of summer when I came back, I went home to Georgia and, uh, kept training on there. And then the real season happened this past year, went back to big league spring, didn't break, thought, didn't really think I was going to break, but, um, went to the alt site, had a great alt site, um, started in AAA, had a great first month and a half, like six, seven starts. And then I was talking to you about the other day, um, there's there for some people you need like your stars to align to get a chance in the big leagues. And that happened to me. So we were in Louisville and it was the, the night before I was about to pitch. So I was charting in the stands and like I typically did, I was keeping in touch. I mean, just keeping up with the game cast of the pro game. We were playing uh, Kansas City um, at the time and our starter got one out, I think gave up, I want to say like 11 or 12 runs so the bullpen had to eat that day mm-hmm. and um that usually means that there's going to be some move that night to bring up another pitcher or two up to the big league level just to help out with depth and so i was just thinking to myself if i don't get called at this time i don't know when i'm gonna get called up it really like it, it lined up perfectly um but i didn't want to get my hopes you know built up just for disappointment but went home to my hotel that night had to wait for the game to be over and then i got a call i want to say like at 2 two thirty in the morning Saying I had a flight at four to, to or a cab at four to leave for my 6 a.m. flight out of Louisville to meet the team in Kansas City because we had a day game that day, uh, that next day. So yeah. um, obviously I didn't sleep, but yeah. um, you didn't throw that next day either. Didn't throw that <laughs> next day, thankfully, because I yeah. run off about 45 minutes of sleep on the yeah. plane. But, you know, got all the family there logistically. It was a nightmare, but got it all worked out. And then, um, yeah, the rest of the season went pretty great after that yeah you pretty much stayed in the big leagues the whole rest of the year right yeah i think i got optioned once or twice yeah.
1: but other than that after the I mean, trade that, deadline I was up the rest of the year yeah and i mean now you're a staple in their their staff as a starter which you getting called up you were a reliever right at First,
0: yeah, I got called up uh, for basically like bullpen filler. to sweep up the shit, yeah. mop up the shit. Yeah. Like if it, anything happened, if, if my, I was always told to be ready innings one through like four in case yeah. the starter couldn't get out of it, and then I would go and clean up a couple of innings. But uh, and so that was a different experience too. Like, I'd never been a bullpen arm ever in my life, I'd always been a starter, always knew my routine. So I think that was awesome in the sense that like I, I truly got to understand and learn that my body was able to, um, like handle a lot more than I thought. Mm-hmm. I always thought that I needed this long, extensive warm-up, my 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 pregame, like routine, my plyo balls, all this stuff. But you don't have that luxury in the bullpen. Sometimes yeah. it's like get hot right now, mm-hmm. um, especially in the heat of the moment. So it was cool to see um, that I could do that. And then, so my my big league debut I was, was was kind of a shit show as well. So uh, <laughs> it was against the Yankees. So my heart's at of course. It was it was at home. It was oh. in Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. Um, but it felt like Yankee Stadium because yeah. the Yankees yeah. travel so well that you know they had more than half our fa- or half the stadium was Yankee fans. But uh, yeah, so I, I got started the ninth, we're down by like 10. So I knew it was gonna be I knew I was gonna get in. But <laughs> yeah. I get in there, first batter, broken bat, same goals. So I was like, perfect. This is a great way to start <laughs> next batter home run. So it couldn't go any worse, right? Yeah. But um I got through it, and then the next day I'm like, okay, I got an inning like I, should be, I shouldn't be thrown today, but starter, of course, goes, like, six outs. And then I have to go in in, like, the third or the second inning. And uh, that's when I, like, it was another, like, learning moment because I had never gone back-to-back days before. Um, and I went in through, I think, like, four and a third innings that next day. So through 20-something pitches the day before and then through, I want to say, like, 70-something next day. But those twenty-something, like live with your adrenaline, especially on your debut, like so much more taxing on the body. So after that, that my my back-to-back, I was wiped for like four or five days and totally taxed. But that's when I learned, like, I'm able to handle a lot more, like, um, and especially with how well, like, I've learned to take care of my body and like all the recovery, all the sleep, nutrition, like that. I that I take um, into consideration. Like, I really needed it because, man, I was hurt for the next couple of days. Then when did you get your first start? Let's see. I don't remember the exact day, but it was just Kansas City. Um, and I wasn't told until like three hours before the game. Yeah, uh, Because at that point, I was still on the bullpen. And we, we kind of searched, I guess, in the bullpen. I mean, uh, in the big leagues, like, didn't really know what was going to happen. There were some moves that were pending. Um, and I, I, I wasn't really told much before the game, but Happened. it went okay I think I gave up a few runs in five innings um we ended up winning the game which always makes you feel better than if you lose but um yeah it was cool and you had how many starts did you make this year
1: that's another
0: good question I really don't know off the top of my six, head probably six seven seven no I think like 17 or something 17 16 starts. 17 yeah oh wow it's for sure double digits yeah. Yeah. um just because I after the all-star break I was up there the rest of the time oh, always starting So I got a pretty decent handful. No, You had 10 punches against the White Sox. You did really well that game. Yeah, I think that was probably my best game. um, Just that
1: offense, that's
0: pretty impressive. Yeah, it's always fun looking back and seeing, like, you know, I I threw well against the White Sox, the Astros. um, So when you see teams like that do damage in the playoffs, it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, also it was really cool. We had a ton of guys from PUSH on your team. Yeah, I mean, Twins have always been, like, a big PUSH organization as a whole. Um, and there there's always seems to be a new couple of faces in there yeah. each year. But, yeah, Bailey yeah, over – made a, his debut this year. Made his debut this year. One of my best friends yeah. um, for the past couple of years. years. Uh, he's looking like he's going to be, you know, a name in that rotation for the next good bit of time. Taylor Rogers, probably the, the most elite bullpen guy right now um, when it comes to stats and just getting the job done. Um, he's He's been the number – yeah, just been a huge – Name out of the bullpen. Mitchell Garber, silver slugger in 2019. Uh really good defensive catcher. Um, dealing with a few injuries this year and the, the last year, but um otherwise just a absolute guy in the lineup. Um let's see who Cave, Cave came in and push a little bit last yeah. year. Um Russ Snyder. Ref Snyder, his another Arizona guy, he should be back this year. Um there's uh Jeff Jeffries. Jeffers? 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 Didn't he
1: do some remote stuff with us? Did he? I hi Jeffers? I thought, I thought he did. Maybe. It wasn't with me, so I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Joe
0: uh, He's uh, never really been, like, no? out to Colorado. Okay. Well, maybe not. We can, so we, we, I we can try to get him out there. Yeah. There's another one. Maybe that's the goal. <laughs> well, Ben Warpet, one of our other catchers, yeah. came in last year yeah. once. I'm trying to get him to move out here with me this year since I'm going to be living in Scottsdale during the week, yeah. so trying to get him out here maybe around, like, Christmas time or so. Um, Let's talk about that by the way. You move all the way down to Tucson, which is an hour and what Yeah. 15, so just 20? another like another shit kernel that I got <laughs> uh, so my wife's still active duty. She's stationed in Tucson. That's why we live out in Arizona now. But um when I was during the season thinking about how the Office was gonna run, I was just just blindly thinking, I'm just gonna drive from Tucson to Phoenix every day and come down here in a train. And then I did that once last week and I said, no fucking oh, chance. Yeah. I'm going to do this again <laughs> because two and a half to three hours in the car, especially if you leave that traffic time, trying to get out. Phoenix is a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, three hours in the car doesn't make the body feel great. And then we did uh, your assessment right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I thought well, instead of spending all my money on gas, why don't I put that money towards rent and live in here during the week and then go back to Tucson, um, during the weekend. Spend time with my wife. She she's gonna be up here a lot too, because her family lives in uh, Chandler. Oh, cool. So she's from here originally. Yeah. Yeah, I married here. Oh, got yeah. married. Yeah. yeah, last last January in Gilbert. But um, yeah, so I'm gonna be living here in uh, Scottsdale during the week. I found a house um that my buddy owns. I'm gonna stay there Monday through Friday, so I can be here every single day, and then yeah, go home on the weekends, or she'll come up here. But awesome. So let's talk about your golf game. <laughs> oh. If Griffin had a golf and Adam it, it for needs to he be joined to join the club. <laughs> There's he a crew. Join yeah. the club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got the bug. Um, I really wish I, I took it more seriously last year during COVID when I had so much more time off. Mm-hmm. But um I mean it's just a really fun way to get out there, hang out with some good guys, spend a couple, especially like here during the winter. Like the weather's so beautiful yeah. that like it it's it's awesome. So I actually I bought troon I bought the troon card. Nice. So I'm um, gonna go out a few times a week, hopefully. And maybe get average at golf, but that'd be that'd be great. Um, so I can show up during spring and then next year on off days like and not make myself look like a fool or lose so much money like I did this past year. But <laughs> did Taylor steal some money from you? No, so Ta- I mean he couldn't golf anymore yeah. with his yeah, with finger, his um finger? finger pulley, whatever that freak injury yeah. is <laughs> Smiley um, had that last offseason too. Yeah smiley two. there's actually been like a few names that yeah. I had it. So like Savali with the Indians got yeah. it this year. Another one of our pitchers Dobnak. Um, guys that throw like a spike
1: curveball or a cutter or
0: a curve yeah or a it's like heavy slider usage yeah. usually does it yeah. so matt whistler with the rays is like 96 percent slider something like that yeah and he got it towards the end of the year so uh, yeah i think there it's just just like one of those freak things that obviously with the new new era of the game like it's becoming pretty off-speed dominant especially out of the bullpen guys are throwing 100 with 92 mile an hour sliders like they're just trying to make it as uncomfortable for the hitter as possible, and this is just one of those like weird injuries that has come, come up with this uh, new style of pitching. You mm-hmm. imagine being a hitter in this day and age, though? No. Well, yeah. So I had to hit a couple times this year. Yeah. Oh, true. Um <laughs> <laughs> you do. How'd you do. Interleague games. Uh, so I hit one ball, uh, which is it's, ball. it's so funny <laughs> to say out loud, but. Thankfully, the the two games that I hit in um, I was are p- facing guys throwing like 87 so I didn't even have to face like any elite talent but still like 87 looks like 95 to me because I haven't swung since yeah. high school um didn't even take that bunning practice nothing um so the yeah I, I got four at bats three strikeouts and a flyout to first base. <laughs> You no know, hits. No hits. Can you, can you believe that Gosman had as
1: many hits as he did this year? Do you see his stats? Yeah, I mean. He led the Giants, and, and Webby, Webby, who just walked in, had.
0: He had a home run. He had a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: smiling.
0: <laughs> It's so frustrating because it's like. Off a 100-mile-an-hour pitch. Yeah. Not only do you have to, like, do your pitching stuff all day and every day, but then you have to, like, the national guys have to go out there and, like, hit batting practice, like, once or twice a week. Yeah. Um, so it's just like an extra, like facet of the game that, you know, you shouldn't not take for granted. Those nationally hitters too, like they look a lot more comfortable in the box than you think. Yeah. Like American League pitchers, like they never hit during the year, so it's almost all. like an easy strikeout. Yeah. Yeah. But like when I face nationally pitchers, like they look pretty good in the box and they don't look afraid. Yeah. um So it I mean, wasn't. ass is afraid to bunt, the right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to take one off the face. Nine yeah. Five. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: uh, that's the scary thing, man. It's like. You expect years. You expect to go up there and have any kind of success with bunting or anything on a mm-hmm. 95 mile fastball or an 88 mile, 90 mile hour slider. So like yep. good luck just trying to bunt that ball. You know. Yeah, my
0: first at bat, Rocco, our head coach, was like, "Hey, what do you feel more comfortable with, hitting or bunting?" And I said, "Please don't make me bunt. I'd rather swing." <laughs> and I didn't even swing because I just watched three pitches go down the middle. The blur. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah. A blur. <laughs> Anyway, yeah I and mean, in off speed god it's, it's it just really makes you appreciate like hitting and it makes you remember like how hard hitting really is because i don't do it ever but then i see those pitches and it's, it's like it's just disgusting what pitchers can do now it's disgusting oh yeah
1: let's let's go off of that a little bit like how much do you dive into like analytics like how much should we i know i know we i know the answer but like how much do you you know, care about that? Like, you know, are you, are you reading the
0: track, man? Are you doing
1: scouting reports? Like, what's- Oh yeah.
0: So, um, I think the twins in general as an organization had really took like a, uh, like first early adoption, like approach to this. So I want to say 2019 when I was in double a, um, that was the first year that I didn't touch a mound unless there was either Soda or track man. Um, on it. And it was kind of weird, like it took me a while to get used to. And I kind of hated it at first because it would make bullpens a little bit longer. You'd have a pitching coach, like pretty much spouting stuff out at you. And at the time, um, I'd really never like understood any of that process. So I was kind of like getting mad, like, let me just pitch. Like that's what I want to do. And the more, um, I've learned, that's like the wrong, uh, thought process you want to have, because now that I'm in this position, I am analytics has really like revamped my career um i've never been a guy going up there throwing absolute fuzz i pretty much sit low to mid 90s but what's like separated me is my ability to throw off speed um, for strikes and like often so um and that's when i why i think like COVID was actually like a good time in the sense that it really it was like the only time i've ever had in my career to give four to five months of like nothing but pitch design work so um i developed a new slider and I made my curveball um, more effective in the sense that I could just throw it for strikes. And I'm not, I don't really necessarily use my curveball for swing and miss, but early contact, just leaning in the first strike, throwing something off my slider, because when it comes down to it, if I'm two strikes back against the wall, I'm going slider and I'm going to throw a majority of the time. But it's really important to have that third pitch, which um, analytics will tell you. But yeah, um, analytics, huge, I think. For the most part you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't like dive into it yourself really learn um, how to, to read it understand it and utilize it yourself, I mean, but now we, we live in an era that like there's so many. Um, you know things that, at your foot at your hands that you can use to really like make yourself better um, and it starts with analytics and just like learning how to use. Trackman and Rapsodo and Simi, which helps um, measure your your body movement through time and space and helps dive into like, all right, where are you least effective on the mound or where are you least efficient in your movement process and um, your pitching mechanics. So that's always been huge too. And I think that working with push has always given me that foot, uh, like that um, head start because I go to spring training and I go throughout the season and I understand how to use this stuff more than a lot of players do. And sometimes a lot more than coaches do. So I'm able to help out other players and the twins are actually looking to me to like help bridge the gap between some guys that maybe not don't wanna take that step towards analytics and like data usage versus guys that are like completely bought in like myself. Yeah, I mean, shout out Simon there. Simon. Yeah, for sure. Simon's absolute goat at For the sure. And that's a big analytics. reason why Simon got a job yeah. um, with uh, organization that um, brought in like the head of the driveline um, team and yeah. uh, another close friend, CJ Gilman. So um, I, it's opening a lot of doors for a lot of people. And I think if you don't utilize it and accept it, like you're probably going to be left behind. But going off that too, you got to have a
1: balance. Right? For sure, for sure. Like, you got to still compete. You still got to pitch. Yeah, right? And I think that's where we do a good job of is like, hey, like, yeah, we have the track, man. Let's change the grip. Let's do this, this, do this. But at the end of the day, like when our live at-bats come, yep. you're competing. Yeah. Right. It's not you're not worried about the track man. We're right. tracking it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Right.
1: Like, hey, that slider that got hit off the wall was dog shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what did you do? You know, then we had the video, then we had the track man compared to compare
0: to it, you know? And I think that's where where I saw this year, at least from the in the twins organization, where we kind of lacked, um, we brought in this whole new wave of younger guys that are Essentially, geeks like they're computer guys. They they really didn't play a high level sport past high school, and but they're very smart. They're unbelievably smart at what they do, and what they do works. But they bring it into our organization. They set us all down and they teach us. But there's not that fuck you that competitiveness that you that need on the mound, and that you learn through the game. So, throughout the alt side, especially this past year, and even last summer um, where they're, you know, helping us implement, um, data and analytics into our repertoire. Um, there was never that, like that passion and that, like, you know, fire that you need on the mound to compete. So I think a lot of guys struggle with that this year uh, through my eyes and like in our organization, I don't know how the other teams did it or, you know, they failed, but with some of our guys, especially our younger prospects who know nothing else, but like the twins ideology, they they fall too much on analytics i think and there 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 is that balance Mm -hmm. on that spectrum that it's important especially in the off season to dive into it to learn and to grasp it and to utilize it to make your stuff better but there's a point where you're going to have to fall back on what makes you a good pitcher and what makes you you and that's when if you just heavily rely on analytics and like okay well the the numbers say i got to do this if your intuition your gut tells you to do this at this point like you got to do it because if you they always what's the saying like um a pitch thrown with 100 percent conviction is or your worst pitch thrown with 100 percent conviction is better than like your best pitch yeah. like thrown with like 0 percent or 20 percent, yeah whatever so yeah you gotta you gotta buy into it you gotta utilize it and um and and, and analyze it but you at the end of the day you've got to pitch so how much do, how much is guard i didn't have
1: a chance to talk to Garve about it but like how much did he play a role in the analytic aspect of it did, was he studying that long with you or are you just kind of
0: yeah yeah I, so Again, I'm not sure how other teams do it, but we do a great job of getting scouting reports and heat zones uh, throughout for each batter, and we'll we'll match it up to our strengths. So if I get my lineup card, if I'm starting that day, it'll have the, the hitter, one through nine, and it'll have each pitch given um, in, in a scenario. So if it's less than two strikes, um, the, the lineup card will say, throw this pitch. And if it's two strikes, throw this pitch at this location. And it's a great um, game plan to start off your thinking and look and, and kind of like, um, emphasize what you need to do for each hitter's weaknesses. But then there's a point in the game where, I mean, these are big league hitters, so they're making a, um, adjustments just as much as you are on the mound. And especially in or in division, they see you so every so often. Um, they're going to know and kind of lean or, um, expect you to do certain things. So that's when the expertise of someone like Garber comes in and huge because he's been there before, he's been in the game before analytics, and he's now into it to where he understands he can read the batter um uh in a, in the at bat in the middle of the at bat, and change your game plan which you're going to need to do at some point because mm-hmm. if you throw the same pitch seven times in a row even if it's perfect these big league hitters are going to crush any sort of mistake you make mm-hmm. so um they're going it just goes back to that fine line of using analytics but also knowing what makes you you and how to attack you know, weaknesses in both assets for sure um I want to talk about something that you're really good
1: at and that's nutrition stuff um mm-hmm. talk about who you were in high school you know obviously you come from a good bloodline your dad played in the nfl right mm-hmm. um you know talk about like when did your nutrition aspect come really important to you because i tell everybody like you and probably zach please probably our two best movers in the whole entire gym right i did zach's other yeah day. you guys so, are literally yeah. identical twins um, I think that comes a long ways. Like you just being athletic. Yeah. Sure. But like, you also take really, really good care of your body. You know, um, when, you know, what is, a, what does your nutrition look like? And B like, when did you start really focusing in, in on that?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it just goes back to like the understanding that I have never been like the most elite at anything. So never been the biggest, never been the strongest, never been like the fastest, never thrown the hardest, never thrown the best stuff, but what i've always taken very seriously is the small details that i can always control so nutrition sleep um any sort of recovery aspect that i 100% have control over i've always like wanted to learn for myself and dive into so um i know what works best for me so i think when i started really taking nutrition seriously was in college um i think my amenities were a lot nicer than some some schools obviously your big time d1s are going to have nutrition coaches and you know diet experts and all that but we had one of those um but it, i think it just goes back to government funding like there's so much at our at our uh, footstep but um i was always a bigger kid in high school in the sense that like i was pudgier i had a lot of baby fat on me um, but i didn't really work out um, and i didn't really know how to um, my dad played I think 11 or 12 years in the NFL, but he's back in that age of like, just eat a lot, lift a lot. And, you know, he's going to be fine. And it worked back then and that game's completely different now. Um, So once I started seeing how much of an impact like eating right and taking care of my body had on me, I just, I knew it was going to give me a better chance because at the end of the day, I didn't want something um, that I had control over to be the reason that my career didn't work out. So at the, end, at the end of my career, if I look back on it and think, what if I did this a little bit differently? I would have been you know, regretting or re- very upset at myself for not diving into that 100%. Um, so with that, there's been a lot of research on my own, a lot of experimental stuff. Um, I mean, get back to the analytics stuff, using my whoop to like sort of experiment, many experiments on what works best for me um you eat like shit your roof tells yeah, you. yeah it's, it's, like it's shit, not it's not groundbreaking out. right like yeah, you drink yeah. the night before like yeah. you're gonna wake up like feeling like shit you eat yeah. cake or you eat um just something completely processed and bad for you you're gonna feel like shit yeah um so it again it's like nothing that <laughs> like you need a scientist or a nutrition expert yeah, to tell so you about fuck this up, i know and, and it's crazy like because even in a big league clubhouse where we have the elite of the elite and major league baseball players, there's still some guys that like, don't really understand that that's not going to make them feel the best. That's not going to work the best for them, but it's what they like. And it's, it's what's gotten to that point. So who am I to tell them to change it? Yeah. But I'm not going to do that. And so, you know, I've always got, I've gotten teased a little bit growing up because I'll always opt for the healthier stuff. Um, but I keep telling them like, I'll eat all that shit when I'm not playing anymore. And I don't care like how my performance oh, you are, is. I still eat the way you eat. I don't play. Well, like, okay, maybe I'll have it a few more yeah, times, exactly. you know, I'm exactly. not going to eat it every single day, but like, I, I, we're human, we're always going to have yeah. like these, um, these impulses or these cravings, um, your, you need to feed your body for sure. And uh, like, like, so last night, I mean, uh, I get home after I worked out, um, I rode the Peloton for a little bit, I played 18 rounds of golf, I walked it, so I'm, my body is hurt, and I'm tired. Like, I had a couple cookies after dinner. Like your body needed it. Though. Right. Yeah. You needed I, that gl- calories is calories at that point. You need that yeah. glucose. And I woke up and, like, my wolf told me I'm not even – like, I'm pretty green today. So um, it's just – it's understanding your workload, what you need to fuel your body, putting yourself in the best position, and then just, like, emphasizing that. So what's a, what's a normal diet, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks? So I, I guess just, like, as a general um, thought process is I try to keep it um, – what i try to keep it to is like paleo yeah. um nothing processed no i mean paleo really like doesn't really um eat a whole lot of grains i think they don't eat any grains actually but sometimes i, guess, I yeah. will yeah i know um and i really try to keep like gluten free because a lot of science will tell you gluten causes um, um what's the word uh, inflammation it, uh it doesn't let your body recover. Yeah. Um, from that inflammation. So in a sport where we're breaking our muscles down and we're going to be inflamed pretty much every single night. Like I want to limit that as much as possible. So that comes to make sure we're getting enough good carbs. Um, so for me, it's a lot of sweet potato, a lot of oatmeal, um, a lot of, um, sometimes I'll eat rice just depending on the day but uh, coconut rice or coconut. do you do like, yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's just pretty much just standard the white cauliflower rice. rice. Yeah. I'll yeah. have some cauliflower rice, like whenever Chipotle has it, I'll get it. Yeah. Um, uh, but a lot of times too, it just comes to like convenience and just, it's easy to microwave a like packet of rice, put some meat over or, it. I mean, like you said, you had a high stress day yesterday or yeah. today you're lifting, you're going to yep. throw
1: today. You want to have carbohydrates yep. post, post-workout. Yeah. That's a good time to do it. Like right? You got to, Aka, a- a- earn your carbs right, sure. and surround your
0: carbs around 100%. Your high output days. You know, so, so yeah, today's going to be very high you're not going crush- to not do anything tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I limit my carbs in that sense. But yeah, today, so like carbs are your main source of fuel. And I had a th- my breakfast this morning, for example, was eggs and oatmeal. Yeah. Um, pretty easy, like standard and very cheap. So like a lot of people have this this. um stigma the stigma that eating healthy um is going to be very expensive that's not the case like Mm -hmm. it might be a little more it might be a few dollars extra but like eating like shit and going to get processed food at the grocery store it can be just as expensive too like you go get a carton of eggs a bag of spinach uh, a gallon of oatmeal like that's maybe 12 bucks at the grocery store so it's really not expensive and you're going to be spending less just making your own food and eating it at home versus going in and getting um chipotle or you know whatever mcdonald's fast food um that specific day so i just try to make sure that i'm eating whole foods minimally processed and enough calories throughout the day to make sure that my body is functioning the right way ashton i think he's the only
1: one we can have this conversation with.
0: <laughs> if some people it's sad, this it's conversation. Sad.
1: yeah i mean my it's wife kind of crazy my wife preaches this this is how I eat. This is how Ashton eats, right? And it's just looking at like, how do you not take care of your nutrition? For sure. How do you I, not take care of your recovery, in your sleep, your whatever? And but I
0: think like, most people get to that point in their career where they yeah. where they understand and they realize like, oh, I actually need to like turn it on, or I actually need to take this seriously. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, I think you see it the, the the older and more mature guys are, um, and well, like Kevin, remember he used to crush donuts. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. As much as I don't know how much that was truly true. Sure. But, like, Webby, that article came out drinking three Red Bulls before a start. Like, come on, dude. Actually got in his ass last offseason about drinking Red Bulls. Yeah. But then he goes out and does what he does. did this year. Like, how do you say something to the guy?
0: I think a lot of it, too, is just, like, what's available at the time. Yeah. So, like, MLB, like, I don't know if they have a deal with Red Bull, but there's Red Bulls just throughout the entire clubhouse. Yeah. And it could just be, like, that old pass to the game when most guys come up on that. So, they just always want it. But – yeah, I, I try to not to be too lenient on um, caffeine, so I'll have, like, a coffee or two in the morning, but throughout the rest just of the black day. Black coffee, though. Yeah, just, just black coffee. Anxiety. No yeah. no creamer, no sugar, yeah. anything like that. Sometimes, like, if I have a latte, like, it'll be milk in it or whatever. Yeah, all but almond milk. All the milk, yeah. whole milk, maybe. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just water the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that, too, with the Red Bull and the caffeine, like, most guys aren't getting the sleep they need or the, the quality sleep. So if they, if they wake up the next day hungover or they were up till three or four in the morning, they're going to be reliant on something more heavy um, caffeine because they need that for sure. And then just, if they wake up and they need um, that heavy caffeine, they're probably going to have a lot more cravings for shitty food. And then they're going to eat that shitty food. You guys start behind behind the eight ball anyways,
1: because the optimal time for decreasing high light and caffeine is from 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., right? Your guys' games don't even end sometimes till midnight, or and like that's the early. hardest part is under bright lights. And then you have you're drinking coffee or Red Bull in the dugout yep. at nine o'clock at night. Yep. And then the best thing to do in the morning, so you sleep better, is to wake up, have some your cup of coffee or and water outside in sunlight, get that direct vitamin yep. D to your body, right? And you guys are asleep, sometimes sleep sometimes sleeping until noon, you know? Yeah.
0: So being on the baseball schedule is very weird because yeah. I'm someone who's always been better functioning throughout, like, early in the morning and in the day. So I actually love day games, and I want to p- pitch every single day game I can. Um, but, yeah, so if I'm starting a night game, say the game starts at 7 p.m., like, I'm I'm probably having, like, some sort of caffeine a coffee or so around, like, 4 or 5 mm-hmm. just to keep me, like, at my most awake for the yeah, game. Neither. And then if I don't – say I throw six, seven innings, that's typically I'm done by, like, 9, maybe 9.30 um i'm not winding down until close to midnight after Mm -hmm. i get done post game i gotta do my arm care i gotta you know shower eat and then that's the worst part too is like i like i like to finish eating maybe three hours before going to bed just to give your body enough time to digest it and then fall into like a good sleep cycle but if on a night game where i'm pitching like i'm not eating till midnight that means i'm not falling asleep till two or so Mm -hmm. and then I'm not waking up till 12 or so the next day just to make sure I'm getting enough sleep. So yeah, playing the, playing during the season's hard. Mm -hmm. You also had travel in there going across country jet lag. Um, you know, you got all these different things. So, um, that's why I think that taking care of the stuff you can will help minimize the effects of all the stuff that you can't control the, the travel, the, the, the day games, the night games, just the, the horrible scheduling. So, um, like you said, there's so
1: many unknowns everywhere else, mm -hmm. right? You don't know, if for some reason your flight's going to get delayed due to weather, yeah, right, or you get in really late and then you don't, know, your hotel's not ready or yep. something. It even happens in the big leagues. It, right. it happens. You oh know? my god, yeah. And it happened a lot of times this year, exactly, that, a lot more than I thought. It was. Exactly right. It's like what the hell is you know two a.m. In our room, right. like, We can't get in our rooms yet. Like mm-hmm. what's going on? You know, and like you said, taking care of
0: the controllable. There's and, just like these these foundations and these principles, and I yeah. think like. For someone who wants to compete at the highest level, it's important to learn those and really use them every single day, just to put yourself yeah. in the best situation. Because that's mm-hmm. all it comes down to at the end of the day. Like, you want to perform at the highest level. Like, you better make sure you take care of the stuff that you need to. Because there's not going to be someone there holding your hand, mm-hmm. especially at the pro level. Like, when you first get drafted at the complex, like, you'll have someone show you the way. But for the guys that want to get to the top, like, you need to learn the steps, mm-hmm. and it's gonna it's gonna be shit that you don't want to do. But if you want to play at the highest level, you better do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they're gonna find somebody else. 100%. Yeah, you guys are so
1: replaceable, so yeah. It doesn't matter how much money they dumped into you. Uh-huh. Right. You know, you see first rounders all the time out of baseball and, and
0: it's sucks to say but like we're products, so like the owners and, and coaches they will find somebody else. Yes. More happy to yep. do it. Yep. Yep. You got anything else, Griff? That's all I want to really talk about. Any yeah, I mean, I mean, any to like, the listeners out there?
1: Got anything come, come to
0: push. push. I mean it's such an so I will say this. The atmosphere and environment in here is unbelievable. Um, you're, never gonna, you're not gonna find, even in Colorado too, you're not gonna find another group, another group of guys, another training facility that gives you everything you need from a PT, place to work out, place to throw, place to hit, coaches that are knowledgeable in every single asset of the game, all in one place. And that's what makes it, it it's so convenient and so beneficial to any sort of, I mean, we, you also have, you know soccer players or mm-hmm. yeah. golfers that come in here like it's not just for baseball but especially for baseball players like you come and spend three 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 hours here a day like you're going to get everything you need and then go do whatever else you want to do the rest of the day but to be able to come in here and get everything you need and one spot is so huge and that's what i'm looking forward to most is i've never had a true offseason dedicated to specific baseball training and that's what i'm most excited for i've gotten to this point in my career jumping through hurdles and doing shit the hard way. But now I'm able to actually like conveniently train under my schedule, my time. And, um, well, just the other day
1: throwing in front of myself and Andrew.
0: Yeah. Right. You it's have like
1: coaches. We, and we, Oh, there's a Velo unlock and Griffin's back at, yep. Or left you have people whatever, watching you directly.
0: You have, yeah. you know, you feel something, you go talk to Austin or Nick, the PT yep. just across the hall. Yeah. Like it, you got a, you got a smoothie machine in here, you know, uh, <laughs> It, 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 it's, you can't be beat, um, at least that I've seen. And the more and more I've been around pro guys, like you see guys moving to Colorado for it, and they're, they're saying, I'm going to live in this area so I can train a push. Yep. You got guys that are moving to Scottsdale because they want to train a push. They're not going to their spring training conferences. It's free for them to go yep. train at their minor or their, uh, their fields over in Peoria, Scottsdale, wherever they're coming here. Yep. So it should tell you a lot. And the more and more guys I talk to, the more and more I, um, advise this place just because like you see it in the numbers you see it in the guys that are represented by this organization and this company and the pros like, appreciate it i think mm-hmm. i don't like beside obviously like cressy's a big name yeah. and he's going to have some of his dudes but i think like you yourself are up there and like the top two or three names because mm-hmm. you, you you see it you know yeah, you got guys yeah. on interviews you got K- kevin you got uh webby um raj all these both Rogers, <laughs> both Rogers, yeah. You got the, the best name's MLB is saying. I go, I train at push, I work out a push. And if that doesn't speak like to the levels of this place, I don't know what else does. Uh, if you guys I did got, not pay <laughs> him to say this, by the way, <laughs> if you guys got any questions, like please reach out to DJ to get in contact with me. I'd be happy to answer anything. Uh, I could, but happy to be here. Really fun time. you. Dita, love, I love you. I love you too, brother. You're my, my guy. I'll come here for until I'm done playing Appreciate sport, it. and probably honestly, I'll come here when I'm done being an athlete. Now we can go back to your CrossFit. Days. Exactly, <laughs> Lift up Happy shit. Yeah. Appreciate
1: it. All right, good. Appreciate it.